Another great episode of Mystery of Parenthood coming up. If you like what you hear, go to redsearadio.org, click on the donate button, and become a monthly sustaining member. Please support us. Thank you, and God bless. Searching for clues to discover God's mysterious plan for your family? Then don't change that dial. Join us now in our discussion of the mystery of parenthood. Here are your hosts, Trey and Stephanie Cashin. Good morning. It's uh, Tuesday, January 9th. And um, is that correct? Yeah. And we're live. Oftentimes we're taped, but we're, we're live today and we're so excited about, how, about our guests. But let's go ahead and begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord God, from you, every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. Father, you are love and life. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, born of woman, and through the Holy Spirit, the fountain of divine charity, grant that every family on earth may become for each successive generation a true shrine of life and love. Grant that your grace may guide the thoughts and actions of husbands and wives for the good of their families, and of all the families in the world. Grant that the young may find in the family solid support for their human dignity and for their growth in truth and love. Grant that love, strengthened by the grace of the sacrament of marriage, may prove mightier than all the weaknesses and trials through which our families sometimes pass. Through the intercession of the Holy Family of Nazareth, grant that the Church may fruitfully carry out her worldwide mission in the family and through the family. We ask this of you, who is life, truth, and love, with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. St. John Paul II, pray for us. Holy Family of Nazareth, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father in heaven, I mean, uh, we're, we're grateful that we have a guest here today in Monica Ashour, and, and I want to um, I want to introduce her, but I... It, it's sad that we haven't had her on before because I think that the work that she's doing is is uh, pivotal or <laughs> um, foundational to uh, to everything that that, I, that Stephanie and I have tried to do. By the way, Stephanie could not make it today, and so I know Monica. We're we're sad about that, but let me go ahead and uh, introduce Monica. Monica holds two masters from the University of Dallas: one in theological studies and one in humanities. Um, she is an author, national speaker, and founder of Theology of the Body evangel- Evangelization Team, known as Tobit, um, which has been around since December 8th, 2001. She was named in 2010 by the, by the Catholic National Register as one of the top six speakers in, on St. John Paul's seminal work, known as the Theology of the Body. Monica has published several works, uh, TOB for Tots for one to four-year-olds and her TOB for Kids for five to eight-year-olds based on the theology of the body and published by Pauline Books and Media. Um, Before becoming a national speaker, Monica served as a campus minister here at St. Mary's Catholic Church at Texas A&M University from 96 to 99 when I got to know her and uh, there she launched the now nationwide nun run in which young women travel in the nation uh, around the nation visiting uh, convents i remember when the first one happened it was pretty cool uh before and after her stint at saint mary's monica enjoyed 20 years teaching theology and literature in the classroom 
Monica was the recipient of Bishop Farrell's 2008 Pro-Life Award for Civic Action and was recently named to the Hall of Fame for her alma mater, Nolan Catholic High School in Fort Worth. Um, in July of 2017, Monica led a panel discussion at the National Catholic Leadership C Conference in Orlando, Florida, where she spoke on sexuality and chastity. In 2016, Monica was awarded by the Catholic Press Association for honorable mention, first-time author of a book, Everybody Has Something to Give. Um, she has received the Excellence in Publishing Award for Children's Books for, for Everybody Has a Body, God Made Us to Love. And two years ago, the Catholic bishops on Tobit's Episcopal Advisory Board asked Monica and her team to create an age-appropriate original TOB curriculum for children. Um, by summer of 2018, this summer, she and her team will finish The Body Matters, a theology of the body curriculum for preschool to eighth grade. Um, anyway, without further ado, please welcome Monica Ashour. Um, so happy to have you, Monica. I mean, I, I, yeah, I can't believe it's been that long. I have great memories of, of listening to you teach RCIA and, and other even, uh, you know, like I said, I, I saw you on the day that my mother died. And um, mm -hmm. I remember you praying for me so, and for her. So anyway, welcome, Monica. We're glad you're here. Uh-oh. Hold, hold on one second. We have some te technical difficulties. I'll, uh, maybe she's hearing us, but, but I, what I do recall about her um, and... Yeah, we just got a text message that the call, her call dropped. Her call dropped. So we're going to we're gonna get her back. Get her back. But... Um, pretty fitting that we pray that prayer every time at the beginning of every show that's john paul ii's prayer Absolutely. right and well, john we're going to be is, yeah, diving into his and the thing i love about what she's what she's been doing is trying to make it you know you have the, the christopher west and and jason everett and those people that have tried to make it accessible for for the everyday layperson but i think it's so critical to be able to reach and have a methodology to teach what's going on with the body so that the kids grow up with a Catholic framework. Are you there? Mm -hmm. I'm here, hey, Monica. Sorry, oh, no, no problem. Hey, we were, we were just, we were just talking. Um, first off, welcome aboard. Sorry. Yeah, welcome. <laughs> and, uh, I was it's good to be here. Thank you so much. Oh yeah. We were just, I was saying that I have so many great memories of listening. You, uh, teach RCIA here so many years ago. And, um, I guess we had, um, also I was saying that you had, you had, uh, I remember running into you the day my mother died and, and praying right over there in the St. Mary's church. So, um, yeah. together. So, uh, hard to believe <laughs> so many years yeah. have gone by. It seems like it was yesterday, but, um, but anyway, um, before we get started, I know, I know your Michael's here who was kind enough to arrange, arrange this. And so I think he wants to say hello to you. He's producing the show today, by the way, for everybody out there. Hello, Aunt Monica. How are you? <laughs> Hi, Michael. Thanks for arranging this. And Tim Ashour is also my nephew, and he's a Aggie as well. All right. So Entirely appropriate that we're, it. we're doing this on Mystery of Parenthood, right? right. Fam it's a family affair today. It's a today. family affair today, so, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but I was, after the inter introduction, um, I was, then when we when you dropped, when the call dropped, I was, I was mentioning about how important I think your work is, particularly for our listeners and for Stephanie and I, because we've we've always tried so much to uh, 
to say that we've got to teach theology of the body long before we teach sexuality. The theology of the body and a proper understanding of, of what it means to be human um, is, is based on the theology of the body, but it's prior to any talk of, <laughs> of sexuality. We've got, we got to teach our children what it means to be human. Um, and I, there were, and, and I think that to, uh, it's a shame that we haven't had you on here before. So I was excited that Michael had suggested it and I was like, of course, I'd love to have Monica on the show. And I, <laughs> I know that Stephanie would like to be here, but, but there was a quote and I'd love to hear your comment that you had, that you had, um, that you had provided in one of the emails that you had sent me that I think at least, uh, would be a good starting point before we get on to all the great stuff that you're doing there at Tobit and, and uh, things that I think our listeners, many of our listeners would love to have access to and know that it's coming. But that, that quote is that um, theology body is not primarily a Christian. It, it is primarily a Christian anthropology, not a Christian sexology, right? Absolutely. Would you yeah, like to expand I mean, on that? I would yeah. Trey, yeah, that, that, <clears throat> you know, he wrote Love and Responsibility in the 50s. Right. And um, that was more of a sexology, you know, understanding what it means to give the gift of self through one's sexuality um, and marriage. But Dr. Janet Smith, she argues that the theology body is kind of a footnote to that. And in my estimation, um, the theology body is kind of like a, uh, um, a, a appendix or it backs up, you know, preview like Star Wars. You have the right. you know, a the prequel. prequel. Right. I think it's a prequel because it is about what it means to be human, particularly as a body person. And, you know, I've read The Theology Body itself many, many times. And very often the phrase that Pope John Paul uses is he says something like, um, we need to remember that we are human prior to male or female. Right. He says the human body particularly it's sex. And when he says the word sex, he means masculinity and femininity. And then he'll continue on with his sentence. And so the human before male and female is very important. And then, then I would add it's sexuality. So my team and I, you know, we're developing this curriculum and it's mostly what it means to be human, then male and female, and then uh, sexuality and vocation and discernment. So definitely, Trey, I would say, to talk about what it means to be a body person is right. how Pope John Paul puts it in the theology of the body, and that's more um, what, about anthropology rather than sexology. Yeah, so so maybe maybe for those people out there, there I'm sure people out there thinking of anthropology and like people digging up. Stuff and or go or, or Jane Goodall or, or going or and studying gorillas or and, whatever. When you talk about a Christian <laughs> anthropology for for uh, for us, could you maybe put that in layman's terms for? Yeah, I sure could, and and I'll do it with regard to some of our books. So for Great, instance, perfect. How do you know that you're hungry? How do you know that you're sleepy? How do you know that you're male or female? And the answer is the body. And so, you know, in anthropology, first and foremost, let's take seriously the body. So sometimes, Trey, um, I go around the country giving talks, and I'm telling you, for 40 minutes, I can ask various questions like I just did, and I do this to, like, little children, and finally, after 40 minutes, they get that the answer is the body. And then when we say body, at least in St. John Paul's light, 
he means the body is a sacrament, that is, a visible sign of an invisible person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to, to take seriously the fact that the body matters, which is the name of our curriculum, is um, sort of what uh, our first step of understanding what it means to be human. You know, before, if, if I ask people, and this still happens, like if I say, how do you know that you're human? Most people say, because I have a soul or because I can ponder or love and all those, are, or free will. Those are true, but St. John Paul, I think, develops dogma by helping us to understand the body, first and foremost, reveals the human person. And then uh, go, going on from there, like what, what about the heart, you know, that, that um, innermost recess of the human person where, where God speaks, as God emits, but says. And right. so just what it means to be human is very important um, in, in our understanding of what it means to love and love everyone, not just male and female, not just marriage. Right. And I think, I think it's so, so important uh, to remember. In fact, I, the, and why I said that I think it, it's a shame that we have, it's, well, I think we've been on there for five years and <laughs> haven't had you. We should have had you on a long time ago because it's foundational. Our, our show being called The Mystery of Parenthood is, is tied to the fact that we're, we are meant to be visible signs um, of inv- invisible realities. And so we talk about on this show about how parents are, um, are meant to, among other things, meant to be um, visible signs of of God to their, to their kids. In other words, that God's mm-hmm. meant to work through them. And, and so that if we're meant to be that and participate in that, we should study theology and understand how God works and how he handles situations and understanding that we aren't God, but that we're meant to be assigned to our kids of that. We need to try to frame the way we discipline, the way we talk, the way we educate, the way we do everything around something that at least attempts to try to reflect accurately the way God works, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's super. In other words, the sacramental view of reality and parents, first and foremost, are the ones who are able to convey that to their children. One of our books is called The Body is Sacrament, where Alexis Malzoff is the main author, as well as myself. Um, and we try to say, put on the sacramental sunglasses, S-O-N mm-hmm. glasses. And what that means is just knowing that especially with the body, there's um, an invisible aspect to who we are. And I would say, Trey, that you and Stephanie and all parents, it's not just you're revealing God, but you also reveal your own love Absolutely. to your children. Yep. So you, you um, are revealing, you know, the, the human and the divine all, all together. And that's fantastic. Yeah, we talk about, we talk about it. We reveal God, then we reveal Jesus's relationship with his church. And then we reveal our love. Mm-hmm. And, and then, and then in fact, as they get older, we talk about it, the fact that they actually are a, a fruit of our love concretely. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that mm-hmm. our kids are, you know, that you have some of the tendencies of your mother or some of the tendencies of your, of your dad, you look, hopefully most of them look more like Stephanie than me, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. but that there is a connection yeah. there and that, that how important that is, um, foundationally for them to, understand where they come from um, early on. Right. Um, right. In fact, one of our books is called The Body is a Teacher, and part of it is uh, the body teaches you, like, who your parents are because you look like them. Right. You know, you're, and the body is good. Um, it, just, it, it reveals something. And, Trey, um, you know, one of the things that I would encourage your listeners to do is to talk about the body and its meaning. 
I mean, right. I think that's why we we need the theology of the body because we've forgotten to talk about the body and its meaning. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I mean, Pope John Paul he uses the word body one thousand three hundred and nineteen times in the theology of the body. And guess how many times he uses the word um, soul? He uses the word soul only fifty five times, and spirit he uses ninety one times. So when parents only talk about the soul, I think we've skipped over the body, and that's why Pope John Paul gives us a theology of the body, not theology of love or theology of marriage, theology of sex, but a theology of the body. Amazing. And, and isn't that isn't that, and maybe you can speak to this too, something that we've lost about this really not a disconnect. When we say body, there's the tendency to say, you know, this is my body. I mean, body and soul, and there's some sort of like disconnect between the two, but really a Christian view is kind of an integrated whole, right? And that we're meant to be that way. And prior to the fall, that was the way God created us. And after his coming again, that the resurrection includes a reunification, right? You got it, Trey. Yeah. And in fact, one footnote in the theology of the body toward the very beginning of it, um, Pope John Paul says that the Hebrew mind, so with the Old Testament, had no concept of this division, they would not have said body and soul. Right. They would have said body, which means the whole person, or they would say soul, which means the whole person. But there wasn't that dichotomy. And so for us to kind of get, you know, stuck in body, soul, that's based on Descartes. You right. Know, in this Seven. dualistic understanding. Rather than, like, the most important words of the universe, according to Adrian von Speyer, are this is my body. Right. So Jesus doesn't mean this is my like physical part. When he says, this is my body, which of course is are echoed in, in the mass and the last supper, he means all of me. I am a gift. This is my body. And so anthropology again is understanding mostly what that we humans are made to be a gift. It's a, you know, in, in fancy terms of theology, body, it's the hermeneutics of the gift, which means the way we understand the human person is meant for love. Right. And whenever we love, which has to do with the body, then we image God the most. So, Trey, I think you're right on it by mentioning um, the, the, the idea of the sacramental view of reality. Yeah, because I think, I think that, well, I mean, at least my, my and you can ask uh, Thaddeus here <laughs> about how many times, because he's asked me before, but anybody that's ever taught, the as a, as a cradle Catholic growing up and then, then going and having the, um, the great um, honor of actually being able to attend the IRPS program, which was introduced by me back with Douglas Bushman and, and Father Bitch Paco, et cetera, that um, it was it was um, that those classes and everything that made me realize I, as a Catholic, could maybe list the seven sacraments, but I couldn't. I had no understanding of what a sacrament was, and I think in marriage prep and and in living out um, marriage as a sacrament one of the biggest issues is people don't understand that they're, that they're being called on as by God to actually participate in being that sign. I mean, they're the, what he gives is material. Like you said, the body helps with that sign, right. And sexuality and, and all the different aspects of it. But, but the entirety of who we are is meant to have those sunglasses, I guess, is that's what the term you used, the way of looking at life that says, I'm meant to um, bring God and 
into through my actions concretely, not just not just in thought. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, to be a doer, yeah. not not just a. That um, is. Are you going to jump in there? Because otherwise, I have. Yeah. <laughs> plenty to say. No, no. Please go ahead. But I do have some some more um, some other points that I wanted to bring up with you. But please respond to Trey's yeah, observations. So what? Yeah. What Trey's saying reminds me of the second part of the theology body. If you remember, the theology body is divided into two parts. The first is the words of Christ, and the second is the sacrament, which is singular. And I think Pope John Paul deliberately did that so that we will um, think about the liturgy, particularly the Mass, where we have the liturgy of the Word and then the liturgy of the sacrament, the Eucharist. And so even his entire theology of the body is based on a sacramental view, whereby the words of Christ are not mere words, not just something for the soul, but also you have the sacrament, which um, has everything to do with um, material sense perceptible knowing that there's an also an an invisible reality. Another thing he says in the second part of the theology body is how sacraments are like encounters with Christ. So we often say, oh, you get grace, you get grace, as if sacraments are like a gas, gasoline machine or, you know, gas station. But he says, in fact, it is Jesus who is the gift and he gives himself to us. We encounter him in every sacrament. We know he's there. It's not an abstract, Jesus, I'm praying, and maybe I'm meeting you. We know for sure that that is an encounter with Christ in the sacrament, Jesus Christ, who is a gift. And we are meant to be gifts by receiving um, that sacrament, that encounter with our Lord. And I, and I, that, that you said that, I think Thaddeus is one of multiple people who've always asked me, because if you hear me speak on almost anything, I will always work into to be Catholic is to understand a sacrament, to be a sacrament, and to understand what a sacrament is. I'll tell people, if you don't remember anything as a Catholic coming out of this, remember that a sacrament is a visible sign of, of an, an invisible reality, reality instituted by Christ, Christ to communicate grace. grace. Yeah, to confer and, grace. And, and because, I, because what that for me was an eye-opener, because as a cradle Catholic who did everything, confirmed all the way, the whole, the whole nine yards— when I got up to school at University of Dallas and we started talking about sacraments, I'm like, there was a prompting, I guess, of the Holy Spirit. So what is the sacrament exactly? <laughs> and that's been a life changer for me. And I think every Catholic to be fully Catholic needs to have that worldview or that way of looking at being human at life. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And I do think that Pope John Paul develops dogma when Instead of only saying, um, only getting grace, I mean, grace is the blessed Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit's communion of life and love that we get to encounter. But uh, just to to emphasize, the sacraments are not a thing, like a thingification of the sacraments, but the sacraments are a particular time to encounter our Lord um, as a gift to us. So um, that's that's why the visible and invisible come together through Jesus Christ. And, and maybe and I'll let incarnate self. And I'll may I'll let, but something came to my mind and I'll forget it um, if I don't say it right now. That encounter of, of not only of parenthood but of of I mean of marriage and that sacrament that sacrament the encounter with the Lord. We've talked about many times that as you parent a child, and Stephanie's had this. Often God is speaking to you. We've had those moments when we're talking to our children about 
hey, we ought to do this or she should do that or whatever. And then frequently there is a prompt or there is a <laughs> um, an encounter with something outside of us that's saying, hey, would you, you might want to listen to what you're saying <laughs> to, to your son because that's really meant for you. Like, Ste- you know, Stephanie's like one time she talks about with Madison, our 20-year-old when she was young, was, w- would constantly ask why. You know, like do the well. Why? And and Stephanie mm-hmm. said, "I just <laughs> just say yes and do it, and then I'll answer why later." But do it. And she said, as almost as soon as she said that, <laughs> she had a hey, are you listening to what you're saying? You know, like just go ahead and do it, and you can ask why, but 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 be faithful. But, but be faithful to it, and then and then come back and ask why. But don't ask why in a challenging way. And I think there are multiple times in my own life where that's where that's um, been the encounter. And I, and, I, and I guess in some sense, maybe that is that encounter with Christ that is the grace of the sacrament in a concrete way. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that, maybe? Yeah, and I would, I would add to that that the theology of the body gives the whys behind the what's. I mean, I had my master's in theology. I went to the same program you went through, Trey. But, you know, I would say this, that it, it helped me to see the whole of the church teachings as a mosaic. And so Cardinal Scola said um, that every single tenet of the Catholic faith could be taught from a theology of the body perspective. Mm-hmm. And so after my team and I finished the uh, preschool to eighth grade curriculum, we're going to start on the high school. And whether it's um, Christian anthropology or social ethics or moral theology or ecclesiology, which is the study of the church, Christology, all of it can be taught from a theology body perspective mm-hmm. um, because it's about love and it's about being a gift. And what it means to be human. So anyway, I know that is yeah. Now, <clears throat> Monica, some I had some thoughts that occurred to me as, as you and Trey got rolling, and, and I hope that they can— circle back to something connected to parenthood, but maybe there'll be food for thought nonetheless. So my first thing that came to my mind was you mentioned that Pope John Paul II wrote Love and Responsibility in the late 1950s. And so as a historian, that just immediately got me thinking that, you know, there was another influential person who, uh, who started writing things on human sexuality in the late 1950s, and that's the late Hugh Hefner. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. what just kind of um, ideate for a little bit on, you know, what are the, they're both saying something about the, the human body and, and the body's connection to the human person and, and human sexuality. And I'd really be curious to know what do you, what parts of the theology of the body sort of undermine the philosophy that uh, Hefnerism is, is, is promoting in, in society. Is that, is that a clear yeah, question? That's a great question. Yeah. Um, so there's in the um, middle of the first part of the theology body, there's actually an appendix about pornography, which actually Pope John Paul are y'all hearing that background? I'm yeah, at the hospital where my mom is. Is everything yeah, okay? Yeah. Every, that doesn't not relate doing to... cardiac thing, except Pope John Paul loves the heart. That doesn't um, relate to your mom, so, I hope. Yeah, thank you. Um, so Pope John Paul, would uh, he uses the word porn of vision um, mm-hmm. instead of pornography, but it's basically the same thing. And one of the things he says is that 
the reason why pornography is wrong is because of what he calls anonymity. What he means by that is with regard to pornography, you don't know the person. They're anonymous to you. Mm-hmm. And therefore, um, you don't see the body as a sacrament of the full person, mm-hmm. but the body is seen in what he calls a detached way. Mm-hmm. He used the word detachment. It's very interesting. Unlike John the Cross, where detachment is good because we're right. detached from materialism and greed, etc. Right. Detachment for Pope John Paul means that we don't see the truth of the body, and therefore we're denying the person. And so with regard to pornography, it's like looking at um, the body as a thing rather than someone. And what does he do, lambast the person? Well, he tries to get us to see that the goal of um, life is to experience love, God's love, others' love. But when we view the body in a detached way, we miss out on love. We miss out on the, you know, the truth of the human person because the, then the body is not seen um, in what he calls a spousal meaning, which basically means we're a gift. And so then to kind of bring it down to parents, um, you know, do we have a pornographic vision of the world or a sacramental vision? Yeah. And in that sense, I'm broadening the, broadening the term pornographic. Like, do we see people um, at the bank or the restaurant or at the mall or even in our own families? Is the body seen as, you know, this thing that's kind of troublesome? Or, you know, is my two-year-old, who's a terrible two, uh, I see his body and I know he's a person. And the only proper response to a person, St. John Paul says, is love. And sometimes it's very sacrificial because parents get so tired. But it's that body-to-body, person-to-person encounter, which is so important that um, Hugh Hefner got wrong because that's not a true um, encounter of the person. In fact, it's a fabrication of true love. Yeah, Would you speak to, because I think it's important, um, love is a term that gets thrown around willy-nilly, really. (laughs) Um, and not, not carefully, uh, not carefully. And, and, and maybe even English language doesn't do justice to, to love itself. But could you maybe speak to like, if you're trying to communicate to your kids or even come to an understanding yourself, what, what is, what does John Paul mean when he says we're meant for love? Because that may, I mean, that could be thought of in lots of different ways without defining that a little bit. It's tied to, first of all, seeing the body as a sacrament of the person. So that's the first step, I would say. Whenever I'm um, writing books and talking to parents, the first thing I try to make sure that they keep saying is body. Um, and so when they see, when there's a right vision, especially Adam and Eve seeing each other and their bodies properly, when that vision is correct, then there could be love. And what he says, um, it's a strange sentence in the theology body. He says, love is not nothing. He says, love is um, the one who gives and then the one who receives, as well as the relationship between them. So it's the giving and receiving, and I would say openness to others. Mm-hmm. So when parents um, are talking to their children, and really no matter what age, but um, you know, we're, our, the Body Matters curriculum is for preschool through eighth grade. We do this vertical alignment whereby we say, 
you could give the gift of self by giving and also you give the gift of self by receiving and then being open to others. So children, I would say, instead of saying you should share that toy with your brother or sister, instead I would say, oh, you get to give the gift of self by giving that stuffed animal to your child. And then the child who receives, oh, you're giving the gift of self through your body by receiving that. And look, y'all are closer to each other. So he does mention the traditional way of defining love, like willing the good of the other. But um, I think he develops dogma by showing that love is giving, love is receiving, and love is open to others in a sacrificial way. And I think I think that is a great point. It made, brought to mind some stuff that had, that happened um, with me. I, I we needed some help years ago, and I had prayed God that God would help us financially. Then I went to visit somebody, and they they said. Um, they said, we've been praying and think that we're meant to give you some money. Never, it was totally providential. Um, and I said, well, I don't, I don't need anything. <laughs> you know, it was, uh, I, I don't know why you think that we need something. It was part of the pride coming. Mm-hmm. And the person looked at me and goes, are you going to deny me the, the um, joy and the, of, of giving to you something that we feel called to give by not receiving <laughs> that and that's always wow. stuck with me that we lots of times we want to be the giver, you know, we want to be mm-hmm. the one that that and and I love the fact that part of it is the we need to also see love as a as a receiving as well and being open on both sides of that equation. Yeah. And, and Trey and Thaddeus, I would say um, this is one of the crucial issues that. Um, I think the wrong type of feminism, we have a right type of feminism, of course, but the wrong type of feminism and the word submission, um, he speaks especially about submission in the second part of the theology body, and he defines submission as one who experiences love. So submission being one who experiences love is a profound thing. So uh, to just think about love as being giving but also without uh, love is receiving, we forget that the feminine posture of receptivity, active receptivity, is crucial. Mm-hmm. And um, really that, that part of um, love re- receptivity is, uh, is a strong and profound and vulnerable posture that you had to experience, Trey. You know? right. Especially you, you men often hate you know, having to receive stuff, but that was loving thing. To, for you to do to to receive right and and uh two things come to mind um one is i remember reading john paul ii on the meaning of christian suffering talking about the fact that the mercy that's shown by the people who are in a hospital who allow people to come visit them because they don't have to let somebody in to come see them <laughs> that that they're actually showing mercy by allowing that and that's a view that we don't we tend to like to be the givers. I mean, it's the, particularly maybe men, um, uh, mm-hmm. by nature or by culture. I'm not sure, but we're, we're the get, we're the uh, giver. But when we have to receive, that's it. And I think the other thing that popped in my mind was was the whole idea of of the sacrament of reconciliation and penance, um, and the way we've taught our kids to forgive one another. That we always say, if you've offended or done something that, that requires forgiveness from your um, sibling, for example, 
that person must ask, will you forgive me? And then wait to receive forgiveness. <laughs> um, okay. We don't allow them to say, I'm sorry, just I'm sorry. And then move on because we want mm-hmm. that giving and receiving um, going backwards and forwards. And that's a little, that does put you at a vulnerable just try as a spouse. I, we, Stephanie, I've tried to make this a, a habit that when we've offended our spouse, particularly as a guy, to say, <laughs> will you please forgive me? And then wait. Mm. <laughs> because at that point, you yeah. realize that's an uncomfortable place to be because they can say, well, heck no, I don't forgive you. But anyway, I think mm-hmm. that that's, I think that I would just add too me. that even in my, my uh, business correspondence and my relations with colleagues and then relations with my friends and family, I have tried, I try to say, please forgive me when I screw up rather than saying, I'm sorry. And that's a lot. You feel a lot more vulnerable. Um, when you say, please forgive me when you're asking for forgiveness and you have to wait for someone to say, yes, I do forgive you rather than just saying, I'm sorry. And you're, you're the one, in, you're still the, like, you're still the one in control when you say, I'm sorry. And so if we're built to be, this is what I've built to be a sign in a family of the church, in a sense, a domestic church. We've took the confessional and said, that's the way it ought to, that's the way it ought to be in our house. That, right. That you need to go at least as a sign and ask for forgiveness from the person and, and then wait to receive it from the person you've offended. Um, anyway. I just, that, that, that giving and receiving, I, the way you'd put that kind of jog those two things in my mind. So. Yeah. It, it also reminds me of um, another central tenet of the theology of the body, which is trust. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we shouldn't be vulnerable to someone we don't trust. Right. Mm-hmm. And so surely, I mean, forgiveness is sometimes a, a long process, but, you know, because spouses, because family members in our interaction, we mess up. But there is still a level of trust um, that we will continue to be accepted. Pope John Paul says, um, he says, the affirmation of the person is the acceptance of the gift. And, you know, sometimes the gift is, please forgive me. Other times it might be something else. And right. so, um, that uh, you know, relationships have to be built on trust. Pope John Paul speculates that Adam and Eve died because died. Well, they died spiritually, but they uh, fell. They sinned because they doubted the gift. They saw God not as a loving gift giver, but um, as a tyrant. Um, and so, you know, in family relationships, yeah, that giving and receiving is based on trust. Right. So that's another thing for parents. Like, you know, when, when children um, lie or cheat or, you know, they disobey, and they're trying to get away with it. Um, one of the things I encourage parents to say is, look, all I have to go by is your body. I don't know your inner heart. I don't know your inner feelings. And so when you say, I did this and this, but you didn't, you know, that's, that really disrupts trust. Yeah. And therefore, you know, the, the um, you know, consequences come out. But the punishment is not to, you know, be mean to the children, but to help them to see that trust is so important in relationships to set them up for, um, you know, their future vocation. So I think what y'all are saying is very important. It's that giving and receiving and being open to others bonding together. 
Yeah, and you're right. Trust, I think, from the from the beginning, because you know you'll always. I mean, frequently you'll have a child who who'll break trust. But we always we've talked at length as they grew up, saying, you know, it is. It takes a long time to build trust. It takes a moment to break trust. I mean, mm. um, and and that you know you need to always be thinking about what is the person expecting. Is his trust is basically a person doing what you would hope that they would do, you know, what they would, what you expect them to do, I guess. I don't in way mm-hmm. we did in, in that. So if, if I tell my children, I'm going to be, I'm going to pick them up at school at such and such a time. I take it. I've always taken it very seriously <laughs> to say, I'm going to be on time to make sure that they mm-hmm. over time, we talk about pitching pennies into the, into the basket, you know, these little bitty things that communicate something that if, if we want to be trustworthy parents or our parents that, that are that the kids trust enough that we need to over and over act in a way that makes them know they can trust dad or they can trust mom, you know, and that's, right. those are small and, things. And, not often. I mean, just yeah, be on time. And, and to add to that tray, it's, it's because the body and the words go together. So the language of words and the language of the body is huge in the theology of the body. So Trey, you as a dad said, I will be there at four o'clock to pick you up. When you are there, your words that you said earlier in the day and your body, your bodily actions match. Right. And that's holiness, according to Pope John Paul. You know, he says when you have, um, you know, a pure heart, and that means a well-formed conscience, and your bodily actions follow, then that that is holiness, and that is essential. And I would also add reverence. You know what he says in the Theology of Body? This is like the last chapter. He says the number one virtue needed in marital love is reverence. Reverence. So we have a third grade book. It's called The Body and Reverence. And um, we, we speak about wonder as well as awe. Mm-hmm. So wonder draws us toward a person or an event. And then awe kind of holds us back. It kind of, um, you know, understanding this person, wow, is made by God. And so part of this relationality and what parents might um, take away from this conversation is the fact that reverence is key, not just between spouses, of course, but reverencing children and helping them to reverence the mom. Oftentimes the mom is taken for granted, and I think that's a lack of reverence. So, you know, for parents and for fathers to say, hey, you need to reverence your mom. You know, be drawn to her, yes, but there's also respectful distance. Might be more uh, another tool um, for for parents to use when raising children. Yeah, and and it's funny because one of the things that we've we were taught, and and I do it often, particularly when I'm trying to g- gain reverence, is is I will I will say, you need to talk to my wife. <laughs> yes, respectfully. That's right. And I and I think because that that now you're so okay now you're. <laughs> You got both of us involved here at this point, but I think again that it that it that kind of points to again being a good sign of when we talk about the church, we're talking about the spouse of of Christ. Christ Himself is saying, mm-hmm. in a sense, the same thing. Listen, to your, listen to my wife. Listen to my bride. <laughs> is it is it a bad thing when my wife says to me, "You need to talk to your wife in a better your tone"? Is that, is that that's not good, right? All right. Or, or, or here's another. Here's another one. Is when, when Stephanie says you need to go take go deal with your children. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you don't want to hear that. That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. That's not a good sign. But uh, 
but I th- but I think there's so much there's so much there, and we've talked about, and maybe you can comment on this, particularly younger about about saying that when they're when they're young, much younger than most people get, we always dealt with tantrums, particularly at a younger age, by saying we're going to teach them to communicate. I'm hungry. I'm tired. I want to play. I'm going to ask for something, please. So their sign language was taught, and we always viewed that as a mechanism from the very beginning of saying, number one, you're, we do want to listen to what you are. You are a person who has something to communicate. There's an appropriate way to communicate. And that if, and that, that even though you may not be able to speak or form the sentences that we want, we expect you to do that because you are a person. Yeah, that, that leads me to, um, you know, one of the phrases that Pope John Paul invented is the language of the body. It's very different from body language. Body language is more like subjective. Language of the body, he's trying to say that our bodies speak a universal language. Now, he particularly is talking about uh, marital love when he emphasizes that, that conjugal love is free, full, faithful, and fruitful. But for parents, I would start, you know, helping them to understand that, like the temper tantrum, you might say something like, Oh, I see by the language of your body that you are frustrated and angry. Um, Why don't you kind of calm down and then try with the language of words to speak what you're feeling inside. So I would, um, you know, kind of affirm that the body is speaking, but then help them, as you said, there there are the right ways and and the wrong ways to speak. And um, Trey, we have a fifth grade book. Guess what it's called? The body speaks a language. And yeah. so it's it's just this vertical way. When I mean vertical, I mean a way of setting up children to understand the truth of their body uh-huh. and therefore the truth of personhood and therefore the truth of love so that when it's time for them to enter into vocation, the language of the body of marital love is not going to be foreign. They're like, oh, okay, yeah, my parents taught me. When I smile, my body means something. When Absolutely. I laugh, my body means something. So certain bodily actions mean certain things is what we put in, the, in that book. And the opposite of that is telling a lie with the body. Mm-hmm. You know, when you smile and make fun of someone who doesn't like that, um, that's telling a lie with the body. So once again, Trey, you know, the body is um, my point of departure and my team is trying to do this curriculum to help out many parents. And I, and I think that that's, that's it. I, th- I mean, without having said it the way you said it, I think the entirety of what we've, what Seven and I have worked on in terms of how we put together the way we parented, parented our children was based on this exact same, maybe not the same words, but, but, but the same underpinning, because that's exactly what we said. We've got to teach our kids to recognize at every stage, all of this was a building block to get to, you know, which everybody wants to talk about. When is the... When you know how do you handle the the talk you know the birds and the bees or whatever so well, we've been trying to handle that all the way up by giving them a proper mm-hmm. understanding of who they are as a person so that when that conversation comes and understanding what a sacrament is as they come up so that when we get to that conversation the groundwork's been laid you know exactly yeah when I go around the country giving talks to teens and I've gotten permission to talk about um, marital love. I'll start first start with like what it means to punch someone, you know, certain body actions mean certain things. And I'll say, what does sex mean? Right. And they're like vulnerability, love, commitment. But no one says this, Trey. No one says sex means I'm married to you. Right. And I'm open to having children with you. 
And I think we've forgotten what that means because we are detached from the meaning of the body, which is why my team at Tobit, um, you know, we're, we're trying to change that to, to do what you're doing. Right. And start at a very young age and uh, with children and, and lay the groundwork for them so that sexuality won't be this foreign thing. Right. It'll be just kind of a normal progression. Yes. We, um, something that we try to do in our family is with our children is emphasize that to say the, to one of them that their, their siblings are not instruments for their own self gratification and for their own uh, seeking their own pleasure or comfort or to achieve some goal that they want. And, and the whole reason that we talk with them that way about their own siblings and their relationships with their own siblings is again, to lay that same kind of a groundwork that, that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And Pope John Paul speaks up that too, quoting from Song of Songs. This is in the second chapter, the second part, where it says, I love you, my sister, my bride. Now that's with regard to marital love. So Pope John Paul says, you know, when a man sees a woman in her body, he should first understand that she is to be loved and not used for, after all, the opposite of love, according to him, is use. And so whenever I give talks um, to to teens especially, I'll say to the guys, look, you got to see every single girl as a sister before you think about dating one of them, if your parents Mm -hmm. let you, of course. And then the girls, to start seeing every single guy as a brother before you start thinking about dating one of them. And that's exactly what you're saying, Thaddeus, that, um, you know, that laying the found, the foundation of seeing brothers and sisters um, loving. My, my brothers, sisters, and I um, had to be at the hospital last week. My mom was in critical condition, and all of us, you know, it was a hard time for us, but we were loving. And I think it's because my parents, they didn't have theology body terms, but they knew um, that we were meant to, you know, see each other as gifts mm-hmm. and not as um, tools or instruments. Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, we'll, we'll make sure to pray for for that. Uh, for your, your mother, what's your mother's your first what's name? Her, what's her mother's? Uh, Doris Ashour. Doris okay. Ashour. Grandma to Michael and Tim. Okay, we'll be praying for that. I know we're down to like the last um, minute and a half here, and um, I think what I want to make sure that we get is a way. We'll put it on the website. We'll uh, put it on the podcast that we link in the show notes. We'll put a link to Tobit. We'll we're going to link to all the books you mentioned today. Um, Monica, so all that information Great. will be there for listeners. And if you go, and I don't know yeah. if you if you go to Red Sea Radio and the app, and you click on Mystery Parenthood at some point in the next week, ne- or whatever, next couple of days, next couple of days, that podcast will be there. If, if um, awesome, yeah. It's, if you want, it'll have that. dot dot org, and that'll be linked to your podcast. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yes. yes. This will be put out in podcast form. Michael will do all that. And so anything he screws up, you know, you know where to find him and you can talk with him about it. <laughs> and and I would just like to say, as we, as we draw here to a close. And stay I, on the line with us. After please we, do. Because I want to make, I really okay. do want to make sure. I think it would be, it would make sense if you had time on a relatively, on an intermittent basis, but on a consistent basis, if you would be willing to, to be on the show again. Because I think. It, it makes sense um, for yeah. us to sure. talk about this stuff. There's, I know you have a lot to say for the people, but anyway, um, sure. we're down, we're, we're 10 seconds. So I'm going to close with uh, pray parent with a purpose and prepare for God to amaze you. And uh, he will God bless you guys. And uh, we'll see you next week.
Thank you for listening to this local production of Red Sea Catholic Radio. Tune in next week at the same time to hear Trey and Stephanie Cashin share more on the mystery of parenthood. 